We have been looking today, both this morning and this afternoon, at the reality of storms in our lives. And we will continue that uh, with a different parable, with a parable now this afternoon, the parable of the wise and the foolish builder. But as a background to that, I want to pick up a reading from the Old Testament in Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 13, picking up the reading at verse 10. If you're looking for that in your pew Bibles, you'll find that on page 832. 832 in your pew Bibles. In the context of this passage just before chapter 10 and uh, verse 10 and after verse 16 as well, 17 and following, Ezekiel is receiving a prophecy from the Lord a prophecy that is indicted against those who are false prophets, who are teaching false truths, and they are condemned, and they are likened to those who uh, are building a building that is about to crash down because they depend on themselves. We looked at some of that this morning already. I want to pick up the reading at verse 10. In reference to these false prophets... The word of the Lord comes through Ezekiel as follows. Precisely because they, that is the false prophets, have misled my people saying peace when there is no peace. And because when the people build a wall, those prophets smear it with whitewash. Say to those who smear it with whitewash that it shall fall. There will be a deluge of rain and you, O great hailstones, will fall and a stormy wind break out. And when the wall falls, it will not be said to you, where's the coating with which you smeared it? Therefore, thus says the Lord God, I will make a stormy wind break out in my wrath and there shall be a deluge of rain in my anger and great hailstones in wrath to make a full end. And I will break down the wall that you have smeared with whitewash and bring it down to the ground so that its foundation will be laid bare. When it falls, you shall perish in the midst of it and you shall know that I am the Lord. Thus will I spend my wrath upon the wall and upon those who have smeared it with whitewash. And I will say to you, the wall is no more, nor those who smeared it. The prophets of Israel who prophesied concerning Jerusalem and saw visions of peace for her when there was no peace, declares the Lord God. Jesus also speaks about this topic when we read about the parable of the wise and foolish builder. In Matthew chapter 7, if you're looking for that in your pew Bibles, you'll find that on page 966, 966, first gospel, first book of the New Testament, chapter 7, four verses, verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. And the rain fell, 
and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. May God add a blessing to the reading of his holy word. Beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, this morning in our message, we looked at the reality of storms in the Christian life. Storms which will blow and threaten to undo us. But the challenge that we met there, that we heard, was the reminder for us to keep our eyes focused on Jesus Christ in the midst of the storms of life. And as long as we remember that we don't go through these storms, storms being a reality, as long as we go through these storms remembering that Jesus Christ always promises to accompany us when we look to him, we can get through these storms. We can't get through these storms ourselves. We can't say, as I suggested this morning, as we looked at that, I've got this. I can do this myself. Jesus is the one who says, I've got this. Look at me and follow me. Well, that's what we have in the parable, specifically, that Jesus tells at this time. Now, this parable is spoken at the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount, chapters 5, 6, and 7 of the Gospel of Matthew. There are a lot of teachings for the disciples as the disciples are gathered around him to hear this, teachings about salt and light, teachings about the importance of keeping the Ten Commandments. We find the Lord's Prayer in that teaching. We learn about priorities. We learn about asking, seeking, knocking. We learn about bearing fruit. That's what a summary of some of the concepts of the Sermon on the Mount are all about. And what Jesus is doing is when he's giving this Sermon on the Mount and he's helping us to see the foundation on which we are called upon to build our lives. The building to which Jesus refers in this parable is a reference to our own lives as followers of Jesus Christ. So we need to make that quick comparison of those two so that we understand what Jesus is talking about. What does it mean to build on a solid foundation? And what happens when we build on that solid foundation? What does it mean to build on a sandy soil? And what, what happens when we build on the sandy soil? 
We want to look with you, first of all, at the wise man as he builds and where he builds. Then at the foolish man and where he builds. And then we want to look at that foundation, the ingredients. What is that foundation that we are called upon to build all about? And as we look at this, I want to look first then at the wise man and the building, the house that he is putting together. Houses in those days were often made of clay, hardened clay, hardened mud that was formed into bricks and one brick piled on top of another. The wise man knew that the best location for the building of that house was away from from the watercourses and from the streams and from the source of water that they often would like to have because they were so dependent on the source of water from the rivers and from, from the ocean or from the lake or whatever source of water, the streams that they had. They would build it further away from there because they knew that as often was the case that quick storms could come up and and just wash a gully through and be a threat to the house that they were building. It was quite an effort to build a house away from the water because they would have to bring the materials for that building, the clay and those bricks that they were producing that might come from the areas where the water was going. They had to bring it up on top of a rise or a hill or a knoll to keep it Secure and safe from the waterways. Between the wise man and the foolish man, there are a number of similarities that we will see in this parable. We will also see that there are a lot of differences between the two of them. Among the similarities is the fact that both the wise man and the foolish man are hearers of the word. They are hearing the gospel. If you look at verses 24 and and 25, and then verses 26 and 27, you see that they are kind of couplets, very similar in the wording that they have, but couplets that teach a very different thing about in terms of how we respond to that. One of the things in verse 24 and verse 26 that we read is that everyone who hears these words, and he's talking about those who hear the word, both the wise man and the foolish man hear the word. The wise man hears the word and remembers. The wise man hears the word and talks about them. He hears the word and defends that word. He hears the word and does this. If you look at verse 24, everyone then who hears these words and does them will be like a wise man. Another similarity between the wise man and the foolish man in terms of the building is the fact that a storm is imminent. Both will be Impacted by that storm that comes through. In verses 25 and 27 of those two couplets, 
talk about those storms. We read there that the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat in that house. We read the same thing in verse 27. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house. Storms. A common element for both the wise man and the foolish man. But there is a difference in what happens when the storm comes. The wise man builds his house on a solid foundation away from the dangers of the waters that come out because of the storm. But the, wise, the foolish man who builds on the sand, that very foundation on which he has built is wiped out, washed away. He has to build all over again. With us in our own lives, we need to be reminded, as we saw this morning, that the storms of life are a reality. No one ever says that the Bible teaches that the Christian should become a Christian because then he or she will never have problems again in life. As a matter of fact, the opposite probably is true. When we commit ourselves to Jesus Christ and live a life that follows him when we are doers of the word, we will be challenged by Satan. Satan does not like that, and he will attack those who are followers of Jesus Christ, doers of the word, and especially those who are leaders in the Christian community. And that we need to be reminded about. And the reminder that we have here is that we are called upon to build on the foundation. The troubles that we have are a part of the result of sin. That's a part of our lives. Sin entered into the world in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve took part of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil that God said, you shall not take of that, and they did, and sin came into the world. And we have been living in the context of that sin, affected by it and infected by that in our lives. It's a reality. But one of the things that we need to be reminded of is that when these storms come, People of God, we already need to have our house built so that when the storms come, we have a shelter, a strong shelter. Who among us would even think about building a house in the midst of a tremendous snowstorm or a, a tremendous rainstorm or thunderstorm? Oh, well, maybe some will say, well, I can tough this out and I can build it. Do you know how difficult it is to build in the midst of a storm? If your house is not already built by the time the storms come, it is too late for you. The call of the gospel of Jesus Christ is to build your house now. 
So when the storms come, you have the protection of the house and of the foundation, Jesus Christ, on which that house is built. The ultimate and final storm of life will come on the day when our life is ended. Either when we die, during our pilgrimage here on earth, or when Jesus Christ comes again and we all face that storm of death. When that comes, on whom has your life been built? I say on whom because it is a person, that foundation. It is the person of Jesus Christ in our lives. How do we identify this wise man who's referred to in the parable? We identify it, as I've suggested already, as being the one who hears the words of God and does them. This means that as we hear these words, we are called upon to follow them, to pay attention to them. It means to deny yourself, self-denial. It means to live a life of discipleship, following the Lord, no matter what comes. It means to carry one's cross, which is a self-sacrifice, following the example of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross. Being a doer of the word means to be self-surrendering, surrendering your life to Jesus Christ and everything that goes on in your life. The Apostle Paul talks about this in his letter to a young, growing, new church that he has planted in Colossae. Chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, he says, So then, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. Rooted and built up in him, Strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Continue to live in him, rooted and built up in Jesus Christ. He is the foundation upon which we are called upon to build our lives in a location that is away from the storms or the effects, not away from the storms but away from the destructive effects of the storms that can take place in our lives. Well, what about the foolish man? We saw two similarities already. One that is that both the foolish man and the wise man hear the word of the Lord. Second similarity that there are storms that are a reality in life, both the wise men and the foolish men are affected, impacted by the storms, have faced the reality of the storms. The other similarity between these two is that they will have built the house in the same manner. There was only one way in which they built houses. We build our houses in different ways in our, in our, in our society here today. 
But here in this time, there was always only one way in which they... So there was a similarity, similarity in which they built their house. Here's the difference. The foolish man builds his house close to the water. The foolish man is looking at this wise man and saying, Are you serious? Why would I take my bricks of clay and grunt and groan and haul them up the hill to build my house up there when I can build it right here by the water? I have all the water that I need. I have everything that I need, and I can just pull it out and barely pull it out and build my house. The foolish man is thinking about this life that he is living now and the circumstances that are around him immediately. He is not thinking about the next life with Jesus Christ in the next world in which we will be called to live. To build on the sandy soil is to build the foundation on our own hopes and dreams, which end up being false hopes and false dreams. And false hopes and false dreams produce a false foundation. And when the storms come, you will be wiped out because you're not trusting in the foundation of Jesus Christ on which you're called upon to build your life. You will be wiped out. That's the reality. Anything but the promises of God in Christ Jesus is sinking sand. The sandy foundation on which many in our world without the knowledge of Jesus Christ build their lives are are built on temporal privileges that they may try to enjoy, built on a personal reputation that they are trying to hold out on, built on trying to do good things, trying to look good to others and see how nice this house looks, built on their own personal successes. The question is, when the storms come, can any one of these things keep your life together? Can you continue to live a life built on the successes that you have when that bottom falls out of the economy in business or in your own financial situation in life? What will happen when the storms come and you are depending on your reputation and you end up having some things that happen in your life and your reputation is tarnished and and then what are you going to build your life on? You see, it doesn't work. You need to build your life On the word of God, Jesus, who is the word of God, which is eternal and solid and everlasting, always there.
Well, this is not the first time that the hearers, the disciples, are hearing about buildings and whitewashing of walls. We read about that in Ezekiel, didn't we? Ezekiel chapter 13. We read there about the prophet as he's speaking to false prophets. Prophets who like to bring teachings that itch the ears and make everyone feel comfortable. That was what was going on in Ezekiel's time. And they're hearing things that are feeling comfortable to them because the prophets want to gain the reputation, a good reputation amongst the people that they are prophesying to. So they prophesy things that the people want to hear. Not necessarily the things that God wants the people to hear. And so what we have in the parable, if you will, there are parables in the Old Testament times. And in this case, it's the parable of the whitewashed wall that Ezekiel is dealing with. It's a wall that is set up by the foolish man. Looks good, kind of paper thin, but that looks good on the outside, right? Does that, is, it, is your life like that? If I look at your life from the outside, you might see the most beautiful whitewashed individual life. What a great, look at that. Doesn't that look nice? But the problem is it's paper thin. It's just a white wall. The only thing keeping that together is the paint that's on, on the whitewashed wall. What can paint do to keep your life together? What keeps your life, what keeps your life together is, is what's behind that paint. And, and what's, it's nice to have a nice looking house. My wife and I are building a house right now. We're in the process of having a house built on our property right now. We want to make sure that it looks comfortable. We've got to make sure that it's not just made, that it looks good. It needs to be built properly. And we look at that, and we see that perhaps another similarity that we might draw between the wise and the foolish man is that the seed has been sown in both their lives, but what they do and where they plant that seed and what they do with that seed is totally different. God does not look just at the whitewashed wall that only you and I can see. God looks behind that whitewashed wall to see what is really there behind the paint and the veneer. What's going on in your life? Are you living your life in such a way so that just everybody thinks that you are living the life of the Christian? The foolish man is given directions. The seed is planted. He even sees the road that leads to eternal life. But it's a tough road. And he says, you know, if I build a road right beside it that looks like this road to eternal life, I'll walk that road. It's easier. Not as many stumbling blocks on it. But eventually that road that he is on, 
begins to separate itself more and more and more from the road, the narrow road that leads to eternal life. And pretty soon he doesn't even see that narrow road anymore. That's the foolish man following his own whitewashed life. The foolish man today is what we read about in verse 26 is the one who hears these words of mine and does not do them. The wise man does them. The foolish man does not do them. The foolish builder lives a life of a profession of faith from the lips, but not from the heart. It does nothing to even profess your faith in a church, in a congregation, if it is just something that you are doing well because my parents expect me to do it and my elders are expecting me to do it, my family is expecting me to do it, so I will do it just so that they don't give me a hard time anymore. But it doesn't come from the heart. Really? That's not an honest profession. That is not the profession of faith of a wise man or a wise woman, a disciple of Jesus Christ. Profession of faith, publicly professing that, comes from the heart. The foolish man would be one who may come to church on Sundays because it looks good but doesn't live the life of the Christian values that he is being taught from the pulpit and from the teachings of the church each Sunday. Just his own thing throughout the week. As long as I show up in church, at least I'm looking good and nobody will get on my case because I'm in church. Really? Is that what the Christian life is all about? That's the life of the foolish man in our lives the foolish man might be compared to the one who prays every day and can even recite passages of the Bible. Because it looks good when I recite from memory some of these famous passages. And if I can tell people that I pray every day, get up in the morning and I pray, but then through the rest of the day, they do their own thing. As long as I start the day off with God, I'm good. Really? That's the life of the foolish man who appears to do all of the right things, but his heart is not in it to stay with what he's learning in his time of devotions and prayer on a daily basis. The storms will come for that foolish man. And the foolish man, the foolish woman, the false follower of Jesus Christ. There are true followers and there are false followers. The false follower, who is not a true disciple then, will be wiped out when the going gets tough, when the storms come. Jesus, in the verses just prior to what we read here, in the verse 21, says... Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, 
But only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, who does, who follows, who activates the promises that God has made. What are these promises about which we speak that are part of the foundation of Jesus Christ on which we are called to build? We are called upon to hear these promises and do them. And we hear these promises by indeed coming to church and hearing those promises, learning more about that, and growing in our knowledge so that we can do those things throughout the week. We worship our God on Sunday mornings as we gather together. We continue to worship our God. The worship doesn't end when we go to our cars. We continue to worship our God by showing love for God and love for our neighbor in the things that we do every day of our lives. That's the wise man following and doing the will of God. We receive that when we come to worship. We receive that when we participate in the ministries of the church, the adult Bible studies, the catechism lessons, the youth ministries, the teen clubs, and the kingdom seekers, and the cadets, and the Sunday school, and and all the different activities that we have for the nurture, for the nurture, for receiving those promises and hearing those promises that God gives to us. And we are called upon to hold strongly onto those and to live those out in our lives. In Hebrews chapter 10, the author from verses 19 to 25 drills this home. I'm not going to read all of the verses. You can do that at home. Hebrews 9, uh, 10 verses 19 to 25. I encourage you to read those. But in verse 23, the author says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Hold on to that hope that we profess. Not just profess it and do our own thing. No, hold on to the hope that we profess for he who promised Jesus Christ is faithful. Jesus is faithful to us in his promises. That's the foundation that we are called upon to build, called to build upon. Our promises are not always secure, but the promises of Jesus are secure. One of the beauties of this, but the promises of God, is that this foundation on which we are called to build is not something that we need to look around. Where is it? Where is the Where do I find this foundation? It's given to those who ask for it. Simple as that. It is Jesus Christ, the free gift of God to those who respond is the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. The rock is provided for us. We don't have to build the foundation. It's there for us to build on, to build our lives on. Or not to build on as the foolish man would do. God's help, with God's help and the Holy Spirit, we may receive this foundation as a gift from God offered to us and when we respond we know that we are followers of Jesus Christ in our lives there are many 
biblical examples. I'll list some of them just to remind us about that, of those who hear God's promise and not just hear it, but they do something about it, the doers of the promises, doers of the word. Think of Joshua at the conquest of Jericho, promised that God would stand by him no matter what, and he promises in turn to stand up and do what is right, doer of the word. Think of Gideon, feeling like he had nothing to give of himself. He was the most insignificant, and he has a good starting point because the fact is he is insignificant except for the foundation on which he built and which he then promises in turn to depend on God for protection and leads his people in that. Think of Ruth with a promise that God's love would be perfected in her for protection as well. And she promises in turn that she would be kind and loving to those who were around her because she received that from God. Think of Balaam. Promised that God would give him the desires of his hearts if he would follow him. And he responds by saying that he would love God more than anything else. Jonah. Promised that God would direct his life if he would but go to the Ninevites and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Does his own thing but later on regrets that and follows the promises of God and learns to do things, do things God's way. In the New Testament, the Apostle John promised that God would provide everlasting life and responds by telling others about that and praising God every day. Lydia, the first convert in Paul's missionary journeys, promised that God would never leave her and she in turn promises to tell others about Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul promised A crown of thorns. I'm sorry. A crown of life. Jesus Christ is the one who had the crown of thorns. Paul has promised the crown of of life. And he promises in turn that he would be faithful. He would do. He would be a doer of the word of God. These are only seven or eight different examples from the scriptures of those who are faithful disciples of Jesus Christ, Old and New Testament. And God's call to us is to be a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ like the wise man. Now think about your life. Are you a wise woman? A wise man? Or would you be categorized amongst the foolish? Wise or foolish? The reality is That in our lives, there is both the wise and the foolish man. There are things in our lives, even after we make a commitment to Jesus Christ, in which we show wisdom by being doers. But we have a long ways to go, the foolish man in us. Because there are many things that we are doing that are not examples of being doers of the word. That's the sin that's a part of our lives. There is no perfect wise man or woman among us. There is no perfect disciple of Jesus Christ. Here's the challenge. Even as we prepare ourselves for 
participating in the Lord's Supper next week, Sunday, this week, here's the challenge. Ask yourself, what areas of my life am I showing wisdom? And how can I continue to build on that and continue to grow in those areas of my life where by God's grace I'm showing wisdom? Building on that foundation, being a doer of the word. And the, the tougher part of reflection is what areas of, those, of my life are areas where I am being foolish, where I'm building on my own dreams, where I'm doing my own thing, where sin is dominant in my life. And how can I get through analyzing that and turning that part over to Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith. We saw that this morning. So that I can weed out that which is foolish in my life and build on that which is strong and wise and good in my life by God's grace. Let me conclude with the words of Paul to the Corinthians. Chapter 1, uh, chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians. By the grace that God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder. And someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds, says Paul, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Father, wow, we have been challenged with the reality of storms in the life of the Christian today. Overwhelmed as we reflect on that, and sometimes overwhelmed by the very storms that face us in our lives. We pray, Father, that you would help us during this week, not only, but throughout our lives every day, to give thanks and praise to you for those areas, small as they may be as a beginning in our walk with you, that demonstrate the wisdom of building on a foundation of Jesus Christ. But help us also, Father, to be honest with ourselves as we look in the mirror in the morning and look in that reflective mirror of the law of God and see that there is sin in our lives too and help us to know where we are being foolish. Following the example of the foolish man that's building his life in those areas, our lives in those areas on on nothing but sinking sand. Help us, Father, to analyze that, to identify that, to turn it over to you, and ask you, by your Holy Spirit, to help us to weed out these areas and to grow and to build on the solid promises of your Son, Jesus Christ, as the foundation of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.